Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. The United States Food and Drug Administration led with its certifying of the Pfizer vaccine. You know that. There's more to come. And uh, it happened today with the Moderna vaccine being certified by the FDA. So what goes into the process? And people are asking, were corners cut because of the emergency nature of the situation? What does the FDA do to monitor the performance and efficacy of the various vaccines? And uh, home COVID testing kits are going to be approved uh, for the United States. Peter Pitts, Professor Peter Pitts, is former associate FDA commissioner and founder of the Center for Medicine in the Public Interest. And Professor Pitts is back with us on this program. Professor Pitts, thank you very much for taking the time. And if I could ask you just to, out of the gate, again, about the fundamentals of the certifying of a vaccine during these emergency conditions with Moderna's vaccine being certified today, Pfizer's already being rolled out in large numbers in the United States. What goes on? Well, the big difference between an emergency use authorization or an EUA is that it has not been given a license by the FDA, that there's still data that has to be collected to convince the FDA that the vaccine in this case is safe and effective enough to receive a license. But considering the dire times in which we live right now, the data that speaks to both the safety and the efficacy of both these vaccines at 94% efficacy, which is really astounding, call for extraordinary measures. Is it? Am I correct? Uh, because I think I heard this. The United States is expecting to inoculate some 20 million people by the end of January. That's our aggressive goal. You know, we are, have identified our primary audiences, healthcare workers, essential workers, and seniors living facilities. These are the people most at risk to suffer serious manifestations or die from the virus. So if we can mitigate the virus up until time we have a certain degree of vaccination rates, I think that will get through the other, other end of the tunnel pretty successfully. You know, this, it's really amazing when you consider that a year ago, most of us had no idea of uh, COVID, I think the World Health Organization a year ago today started to um, issue information about a, a respiratory virus that had appeared in China. And here we are a year later with vaccines being distributed, um, at least in some countries in the world, and very aggressively. What happens, uh, Professor Pitts, as far as following the success, monitoring the success of the, uh, of the uh, administering of the vaccine? Well, you know, I hate to sound like a broken record, but this is not going to be the last pandemic this uh, civilization ever suffers from. We have to be prepared. So I think we need to do a post-mortem, so to speak, once we can declare victory over COVID-19 to understand what we could have done better earlier to help inform what we can do next time. I think that from the development of not just vaccines, but also therapeutics and diagnostics in such a short period of time speaks to what we can accomplish if everybody pulls together and focuses on one major goal. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Now, uh, there have been uh, reports of allergic reactions to uh, some of the vaccines, uh, fairly small numbers. Uh, I saw one today, five allergic reactions, and I can't remember whether it was to Pfizer or Moderna's vaccine. But but five, five, five allergic reactions seems to me to be, unless you're the person who's having the allergic reaction, to be an acceptable number, No. Well, sure, it's a risk-benefit proposition. It's important to remember that both in the United Kingdom and Canada and in the U.S., the uh, severe allergic reactions to both vaccines were from people who, by and large, already had severe allergic conditions. 
So that's why regulatory authorities have said that people with severe allergies should really consider not getting these vaccines right now. But as you mentioned, you know, it's an incredibly small number of people. They all recover the next day without any problems. And that the, the overall benefit to this type of vaccine over the whole population is just overwhelming. Now, there's a lot of talk and has been from the very beginning about being tested and the availability of testing kits and where you could go to get tested. We've come so far in, in, in really what amounts to 10 months. Um, the story now is that there is a home testing kit that's going to be approved or already has been approved by the Food and Drug Administration. And it's it's very different to what we've experienced so far. Can you share any information on that with us? At the beginning of the pandemic, we realized that we didn't have the technology to aggressively and accurately test. And obviously, if you don't have that kind of data, you really can't understand where things are and where they're going and how you can influence it. But you know, since the beginning of the pandemic, you know, the technologies that we've approved for testing, uh, both uh, short-term, immediate, have been increasing in accuracy and decreasing in cost. So I think, like with anything else, you, you, you learn quickly, just as we reinvented ventilator technology in almost in just two months. I think that what, the, where we are right now relative to rapid tests and certainly even non, non-prescription home tests is really amazing. And again, the more we test, the more we have, the more data points we have, and knowledge is power in this case. Yeah, it's, it really is. We use the word amazing, but the accomplishments really are. Now, I'd like to talk to you about the Center for Medicine in the Public Interest. You're the co-founder of the Center for Medicine in the Public Interest. What, what is it you do? Oh, thanks for asking. So CNPI, which is cnpi.org, is a public charity, a think tank, and we focus on issues relative to uh, medicine's development, on healthcare reform, on payment and access. And prior to uh, COVID-19, we hadn't focused a lot on uh, pandemic issues, but it's it's clearly you know our, our work in terms of the U.S. is now relevant for global work because we're all, we're all in the same boat at the same time. Yeah, we we really are, aren't we? I mean, it's become such a such a massive issue that we all have a direct invested interest in. So it's cnpi.org. CNPI.org. There are a lot of uh, video interviews and uh, papers and other types of essays that people should find fascinating on both sides of the border. So I invite uh, all the listeners in Canada to log in and have a look at our materials. Absolutely. And we also have a lot of listeners in the United States. In fact, we have people listening to us. I know somebody's listening to us in Sao Paulo, Brazil right now because I got an email from them a few minutes ago. Um, Professor Pitts, what is your sense of where we'll be in by the end of 2021? I think by the end of 2021, we'll be in a very good place. You know, we figured out how to um, create and manufacture the vaccines. We're going to start having pro- a little bit of problems up front getting them to where they're needed, but we'll, we're, we will solve that. And then, you know, certainly in the U.S., we've got to convince people that getting the vaccine is the right thing to do. It would be a shame to have a vaccine that nobody uses. That's not a public health victory. Yeah. There's, I think there, I, an optimist, I, and by the end of 2021, we'll be in a good place. I wanted to ask you about that, the willingness to to be vaccinated. 61% of Americans in a national poll recently agreed they would be vaccinated, but herd immunity generally is believed to require 70% inoculation. Does that 61% worry you? And do you think this 61% really reflects what people's view is? Well, first of all, herd immunity, I've heard, can kick in as uh, low as 60%. But the the point is, you know, the fact that 40% of Americans ever take are not 
uh, you know, itching to get in line to get this vaccination is just astounding. You know, it, and it, it just speaks to ignorance on the one hand, suspicions of the government, uh, you know, c- continuing political animus after the election. And we've got to get over this and do the right thing. This is not something that we can debate in any terms beyond science. Well, I'm glad you said that. It's interesting you say that. I wrote a, a commentary two weeks ago in which I let everybody know that when the vaccine's available, I'm going to be vaccinated. It's just it's just my my own perspective. And I got called a sellout by uh, by some people. So the emotions are very strong on this particular issue. So cnpi.org is the, uh, is the website for the uh, Center for Medicine in the Public Interest. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend. 